There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. Thank you for having me back. Name's Robert Milkman. I'm 91 years old, and I want to say thank you to Dr. Freeman um, for uh, giving me my... Eighth lobotomy um, just this morning, and I have to say, um, where am I? Who are you? What's on my body? I feel like I'm wearing... Christmas wrappings. Well, you are. You 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 are today's Christmas gift. Now unwrap yourself in front of all these doctors. It's Here time for go. another lobotomy. All of you <laughs> see my little Merry Christmas. Merry no, Christmas. Now I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben, staring at Marcus, and we have again another week of lobotomized Henry Zabrowski. How lucky would we be to be lobotomized? Ugh. Honestly, we were just talking before the show. All three of us wish to feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been just researching lobotomies the last couple weeks. Just every once in a while, it hits me like, that sounds so nice. Yes. I don't feel bad, but I don't feel good. What is this? It's called peace. <laughs> Peace? The idea of just like looking at my problems through a porthole in the center of my mind and not being on the other side of the porthole. Wow. Weird. What a concept. All right, everybody. It is time for part two of Lobotomies. By the way, apparently I'm supposed to say I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than get a lobotomy. No, it's you got you you did it wrong. And so I'm so Why? I'd rather have a I've I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. No, 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 I know. It's a Tom Waits line. Yes, it is, because I know for a fact, because I sat last last night, truly, and I did this. I poured myself three fingers, Garrison Brothers bourbon. Thank you so much for sending it to me. I'm just going to fucking shout out. I think you said. Are you only drinking stuff. free booze now? Yes, as much as possible. I just think it's delicious. It tastes like fucking beautiful, beautiful iced tea that makes you happier instead of all jumpy, right? I sat there and I played that song and I sat and I listened to it as I was drinking bourbon in my kitchen and I was thinking... The message of this, if you take the lyrics of that song vaguely seriously and you look at it and say, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm drunk, but you're crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't realize it was a Tom Waits song. People were just tweeting at me that their father would say, uh-huh. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than have or get a lobotomy. Front I didn't know- lobotomy. I did not. Tom Waits is more artistic. Fr- you gotta say frontal. No, I understand what Tom Waits said. You also- derailed the entire show and our careers with this. <laughs> Whatever. Lobotomies part two. So when we last left Walter Freeman, the future lobotomist was in desperate need to discover some sort of treatment that would make a mark in the world of treating the mentally ill. Although Freeman was never what you would call an originator when it came to ideas. Hmm. Case in point was Egaz Monas. When Egaz went public with his new psychosurgery treatment, which we talked about last episode, the leucotomy, Freeman saw his chance to use someone else's idea and take it in a new direction. Good artists borrow, great artists steal, the best artists murder. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Egaz! Egaz! Very good. Egaz! 
Yeah. Eat ass. Well, I think technically I don't want to be I don't want to be like this, but I believe it is Igas Moniz. Oh my. That is true. I do believe it is that because he's Brazilian. Oh, he's actually he's Portuguese. Oh my god. Yeah. Take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke that. No, there were other physical techniques to treat mental illness at the time besides the leucotomy, and Freeman had tried them all. There was bow seeing, which was basically alternating between submerging a patient in water and punching him in the skull. And the best part is that if it doesn't make you not crazy anymore, it also proves whether or not you're a witch. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Why do they treat people like drunkards at an old western saloon? What is going on? You just drown someone and punch them? And there was also hydrotherapy, which was forcing a patient into a tub full of freezing water and immobilizing their body by covering the tub in a constricting canvas sheet which only had an opening for the head to poke out. Uh, you know, have you did any research into insulin therapy? A little bit, any yeah. Look at this? this shit is fucking brutal. They use, they give you insulin until it takes your sugars down to zero. I guess the idea is to do a hard reboot on the human mind, and huh. it go, it snaps you into a coma, and then you go through either what's called wet shock or dry shock, where wet shock is that you drool and sweat all the way through your clothes and through the mattress, and it switches into dry shock, I guess, once you run out of liquid, where you start fucking convulsing. They did it to Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. No kidding. All right. Mm -hmm. And speaking of restarting the system, there was also shock therapy, still approved by the FDA to this day, in which relatively small currents of electricity are passed through the brain in order to trigger a seizure and ostensibly provide relief for all manner of mental disorders. Shock therapy is making a comeback. No kidding. It's still used. I actually was watching a little commercial for shock therapy the other day with a bunch of like normal people. Nobody going like, I got to tell you what, this electric shock therapy (laughs) really worked for me. Like, no, they all look really well adjusted. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a seizure, just stare at a strobe light. Have a little fun with it. What Walter Freeman took from a study of these treatments was that they temporarily alleviated some of the mental illness Sometimes. Because yeah, you're fucking shaking like you're going completely crazy. <laughs> Freeman figured that Igas Monitz's leukotomy was a way to cure mental illness permanently. Huh. Sure. Now, Monis thought that by severing the neural connections in the frontal lobes using his specialized leukotome, he could disrupt the detrimental and habitual emotional responses that cause the symptoms of mental illness. Hey, Marcus. Yeah? Do you know... One of our intrepid listeners. Uh, we have some of the best listeners in the world. And last week, sure. I called the frontal lobes the titties of the brain. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I had a listener send me an email saying that actually there are titties inside of the brain. What? There's a thing called the mammary, the the mammillary bodies. If you look at the thing of the brain, it's this little subject of the brain, and there's these two little lumps right on the underside of the brain. They were originally referred to as the testicles of the brain, <laughs> but they have actually subsequently become to known as the breasts of the brain. Mammarly lights? Are they like hanging out with Cenobites, having sex with each other in hell? No, I don't know anything else beside what I just said. Great. Well, by disrupting these responses, these detrimental and habitual emotional responses, Monas theorized but could not prove that the brain would be forced to develop new neural pathways. And these new neural pathways wouldn't be all gunked up with bad vibes like the old ones were. 
Hey, Marcus, don't talk like a fucking scientist here, all right? Try to talk so I can understand. <laughs> now, even though this hypothesis could not be more wrong, mm-hmm. Monas still falsely reported that the leucotomies he performed cured agitated depression in five out of six patients who'd received them. Those are good odds. But also a lie. Ah. Mm. So, after reading Monitz's claims, Freeman ordered a few leucotomes for himself, along with a few cadaver heads, and got to the business of learning how to perform these newfangled leucotomies himself. Oh, take a look. Hello, my assistant. The assistant to the bone slicer. <laughs> look at all, the, all of them. Dr. Freeman, my... Favorite customer, get your punch card, Mr. Freeman. Get your punch card, Dr. Freeman. Because two more, you get a set of balls for free. Whoa, who doesn't want a set of free balls? What magazine did this guy order this stuff out of? And this is 1936. You can get all kinds of weird shit if you're a doctor. <laughs> Working with his creature, James Watts, the terminally serious surgeon, Freeman began to examine those cadaver heads in order to find safe pathways from the skull to the anatomical coordinates Egus had identified as being the source of mental disorder. Because that's the thing. It's not like Walter Freeman went to Portugal and learned this unproven technique from Egas Monis himself. In true American style, Freeman and Watts just read what Monis has published and thought, shit, I can do that, but better. So they got secondhand information on this. They just read papers that Egas had published and looked at the diagrams. I don't need to go. I don't need to travel to Portugal. I will say that, that there, I imagine that the butts in Ohio are just as big, if not bigger. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You can see, and I can imagine that the brains are commiserate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a good Ohio butt because they're big, but yet flat. <laughs> like this beautiful earth of ours. <laughs> And so, once Freeman and Watts figured they had the procedure more or less figured out, they found a patient willing to participate. And the person who volunteered was a housewife named Alice Hamat. I don't want a dress rehearsal of a brain surgery. <laughs> I want fucking five years into the rep show yeah. of brain surgery. But you know, I don't know, Henry, because what happens... A beginner's luck. It's, I don't oh, want to be the say that this second is like, one. Like blackjack. Yes. Like, like in that, like when we were in AC, and I accidentally won five hundred dollars in that first hand, and then lost everything else. Absolutely, <laughs> you want to be the first hand. Remember how fun that felt? <laughs> now, as we said in the last episode, leucotomies were a procedure of last resort, something to do when the only option left was to lock the person away in an asylum until they died of their own accord. God damn it, Marcus. What? Now you've triggered Papa Roach. <laughs> this is my last resort. I hate you. I can't believe you just seeded that into my cut head. Cut my life into pieces. No. No. No, I will not cut your life into pieces. Now, it could be debated as to whether or not Alice Hamat was one of those last resort people, but she certainly had her challenges, suffering from prolonged insomnia, extreme anxiety, and debilitating depression. 
besides having anxiety bad enough to cause serious stomach ulcers and suicidal postpartum depression, Alice's brother-in-law had just murdered her sister, then killed himself. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) So you put all this together, you put what's already going on in her brain with outside influences, she started to show some abnormal behavior. Didn't what? They, didn't they have, like, stand-up comedy or something that she could have gotten into in the 30s? Well, Alice became fixated on her own appearance and would sometimes stand in front of the mirror for hours, grimacing at her own reflection and refusing to move, even after she urinated on the floor because she couldn't hold back her bodily functions any longer. Things got even worse when Alice started standing nude in her windows in order to expose herself to the neighbors. Okay, now this is just starting to sound like me in that summer that I was just doing mushrooms living in New York City with no curtains. Okay, (laughs) this is just a, this is growth. I don't know. This is kind of fun for the neighborhood kids. You get to see the neighbor all nudie-tootie. I don't like the term nudie-tootie. It's awful. She's a highly mentally ill woman. I don't know. I don't know. It's the 1930s. <laughs> it's it's no different between 1930s and today. Oh, you don't think there's a difference? Not when it comes to being extremely mentally ill. Hmm, that might be true. <laughs> that could be true. <laughs> well, even though her family tried to stop her from doing these things, they were fighting a losing battle. But okay, remember, this is 1936. Talk therapy is useless for extreme psychosis unless it's paired with the right medication. And the types of medications that would have helped Alice Hamat were still decades away from being developed. Mm. That's why my, my shit, I haven't really been able to scratch my fucking deep mental illness with talk therapy, which is why I've been switching to not talk therapy, but action therapy. <laughs> Me, really? my therapist, hotwire a couple of fucking souped up Toyota Camrys. We fucking drift our way down to TJ, and we're fighting the fucking cartels. And guess what? While I'm out there fucking shooting fucking all of the cult members of Santa Muerte with my fucking 45 with a Virgin Mary on it, I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm afraid of my own memories. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> gone gone in 84 seconds. I love that. So when the leucotomy came onto the scene, Alice and her family figured, what do we got to lose? So Hamat agreed to be the first person in the United States to try the experimental procedure. Because they figured, you know, either she's gonna either she's gonna die or she's gonna be in a fucking mental hospital forever. Whether it goes well or not, if it goes well, you know, or if she survives and it doesn't work, she's still gonna be in a mental hospital. Okay. If it's if she if it, she does it and it goes badly and she's worse, she's still gonna be in a mental hospital. So it's yeah. like, fuck it, let's yeah, just but- try it. Do you want to be in the Bone Thugs in Harmony, see you at the Crossroads video where you're happily in heaven, or do you want to be in Metallica's One? Because that's the only option for you, because that's all I see is just the, the close my breath I wish for the I think again and again, just all of that that world. Yeah, if I'm ever in a coma, just play that song on repeat so I can really set the mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the night before the surgery, Hamat was given a preparatory enema, which she was fine with. I'm sure <laughs> she was. Very cathartic. Yes. But when it came time to shave her hair, the image-conscious Hamat tried backing out. But mm-hmm. Freeman assured her that he would keep as much of her hair as possible. Now, this is a lie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll uh, keep it. In a fucking suitcase. Whoa! <laughs> he shaved her whole goddamn head the moment he could. But he figured the ends justified the means. And besides, he knew from Monitz's research that Hamat wouldn't really give a shit after the surgery. 
Oh, ah. my God. Yeah, he knew the ending <laughs> of the story without telling her the ending. Yeah. <laughs> so once Hamat was knocked out after a brief confrontation with the anesthesiologist, Watts and Freeman began the procedure by drilling a hole with an auger over the frontal lobes on each side of the skull. With any luck, this will be the cover of a Pantera album, <laughs> Far Beyond Driven. <laughs> then, once the brain was exposed, the aforementioned leucotome was inserted four centimeters inside the skull. <sighs> Using the tool, the doctors would press down on the plunger to cut out round cores of white neural fibers, which Freeman described as having the consistency of warm butter. Mm. <laughs> it's so that weird nasty. That, so <laughs> you're disgusted. The people at home are disgusted. When I first read that sentence as I was going through the outline, there's a part of me that just went, mm. <laughs> and it reminded me of, we were just watching Top Chef, right? And they had a whole thing. They went to Parma, the home of Brigitte, right? And if you go and they have all of these big fucking hog's legs all cured up, hanging uh-huh. up like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but delicious. And Natalie had to leave the room. Right. But I was so excited by it. It made me so viscerally hungry. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think it's really awkward to fill out divorce papers in front of your husband you're about to divorce. <laughs> <laughs> we have an, we're very open. We're very open with each other. Very good. Well, after cutting out three cores, they did it again from a different angle, cutting three more cores with the wire device. They did that four times for a total of 12 cores scooped out of Alice Hamat's frontal lobes using no more than guesswork. She's not a watermelon. (laughs) What is going on? What is the point of all of this? Well, the point is to cure her anxiety. No, I... She's got extreme anxiety. She's got extreme depression. Because okay. that, that's what they, that's just, this, this is their theory. Because they don't know what the fuck the frontal lobe does, not particularly. So they figure that pretty much all this bad shit is in the frontal lobe. So if we go in and cut out cores, cut out little pieces of it, little scoop it out, just scoop it out a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. then she'll, get, be, she'll be all good. I never want the doctor to be like, we're scooping out. We're going to scoop it out a little <laughs> bit. We're going to give a little scoop scoopity out. dip. Scoopity we're just going to just see what happens if we just give it a little scoopy scoop dip and see what happens. Yep, scoop it out. Now, after the surgery, Hamat vomited uncontrollably and couldn't stop pissing herself. Oh, good Lord. So what, okay, literally, was is it a success? Uh, when Freeman asked her if she still felt anxious, she said no. And when asked if she was happy or sad, she said happy. Now, there's a difference when you ask somebody how you doing, right? And they go like, you know what? Like, I feel a little bit better. I feel, you know, obviously I feel a little slow. Maybe there's a bit of a headache. You know, like somebody talks like that. But then when you say it, when you, or then there's a difference when you say like, how you doing? They go, I'm happy. <laughs> What's better? Is that a better person? As she vomits all over the place like Jeff Goldblum in a fly, just melting everything around her. I'm pissing herself nonstop. But when she was asked what had caused her anxiety in the first place, she said she couldn't remember. And as she spoke, she absentmindedly rubbed her face and arms with a paper towel as if she were drying herself, even though she wasn't wet. It made for some really (laughs) controversial bounty commercials. Yeah, I I believe that. 
But that became like the hallmark of the lobotomy patient afterwards. Oh, they you know? wipe themselves even well, though they're not wet. Strange repetitive motions. Mm. There was one. Uh, there was one person who would just pretend like they were pouring a cup of coffee over and over again while they were talking weren't even aware that they were doing it and had no reason for doing it but they and they didn't know why but they still kept doing lobotomies make them a waitress that is so perfect you pop it in they dump it and they're always dumping so you can take it out when the, when the coffee is empty and then put it back in replace it with decaf so you're saying turn them into a robot an automatic yes. coffee turn machine. turn them into workers that really love their job this is a real ceo talking this is how yes. ceos think now, Hamat recovered reasonably well for almost a week, but on the sixth day, she became disoriented and couldn't really speak or write legibly. But that was okay, because she didn't really care. Oh, Is I, I, it okay, though? I don't know. I <laughs> no. am a little bit jealous. I'm slightly jealous of this not caring thing. But she soon recovered from that as well, and before she knew it, she could go outside without being unreasonably concerned about her appearance, and she was finally able to speak with a friend whom she normally found exasperating. So it worked! It worked. It helped her absorb Kramer. <laughs> yes! I mean, absolutely. You got a nosy neighbor, and now you can be friends with them. Yeah, if Jerry Seinfeld had gotten a lobotomy, there wouldn't be any need for the tension between him and Newman. Yeah. Newman would just be out there yelling stuff or doing all his bits, and Jerry Seinfeld would just be sitting there going, I'm happy. <laughs> well, it came with a price. There was a price for all this. Like most psychosurgery patients to come after, Alice lost all spontaneity and wouldn't initiate anything unless prompted, it's, whether that be physical action or conversation. Yeah, but the only thing she did spontaneously was get naked in front of the window. That's the most spontaneous thing you can do. No, I know that, but I'm just saying, th this to me, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you are not <laughs> a doctor. It well, like a no, success so far. The stuff, the stuff that is difficult is like I was watching some old footage of lobotomy patients and there's stuff where it's like you see a person standing with a picture, right? Like they, they were like scribbling on a thing and then a doctor like pokes them and pokes them, pokes them. And then finally they, they like realize like, oh, I'm trying, I'm supposed to show everybody the picture, shows them the picture and then they're watching the doctor go like p pull up on his facial muscles, his mouth muscles going like smile, smile. And then you see the body patients go like, oh, yes. Smile, yes, good. Because uh, they're yes, happy. Smiling. Beca because it's, they're happy to draw. It's the death of the soul. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's another way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's turning them into uh, blobs, creatures. Like they're they're not they they have lost a an essential part of their humanity. I am really pro lobotomy at this point, so we have got to figure this out. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I mean, I guess that that was one of the criticisms of the book The Lobotomist by Jack L. High, was that they said that it was an apologist's uh, view of the um, of of Walter Freeman's life. And what did you say to that, Henry? Dude, <clears throat> what we're talking about is actually just more granting the fact that Walter Freeman in the story is highly ridiculous, yeah. and that there are unintentionally funny moments which is why we covered the story throughout this whole this whole saga yeah i believe it you're scooping around the brain mm -hmm. there's gonna be some humor there <laughs> <laughs> well freeman considered alice hamat a wild success 
and not even a month later, he scheduled his next leukotomy with a 59-year-old bookkeeper without even considering that there might be long-term effects from this procedure, ah. which there were. Mm-hmm. The second patient was Emma Ager, who suffered from agitated depression. She'd spent the previous six months in bed, experiencing hallucinations and weeping uncontrollably while living in constant fear of being poisoned. Like hopefully Stephen Miller lives his fucking life. Yeah, (laughs) Kim Jong-un perhaps. This time, Freeman, who again was a psychiatrist, not a surgeon. He kind of biffed the surgery. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear an oopsie. Got a little too wild with the leukotome and <laughs> broke it off inside the woman's head. Oh, God. And this would by no means be the last time he'd make this little oopsie. <laughs> Wait. So he... he what's the he reaction? He was excitable. He was what's very the reaction excitable? when you break something off in someone's brain? <laughs> it just sounds like my father trying to fix the outside TV during the one or two Super Bowl parties my mother allowed him to have in the home before she stopped it because she couldn't stand his friends because they're all fucking awful cops, right? And so he said, just him going, God, fuck. Like, try not to curse in front of the kids. So I could see him doing it. like, mother, mother of sage, mother of cousin of... Cousin of Spice, I am sick of this. (laughs) (laughs) But after retrieving the broken tool, the surgery had no more complications. And And two weeks later, Emma was, in Freeman's words, cheerful but lacking in motivation, Mm. approaching her formerly debilitating delusions as uninteresting distractions. Two months later, she went back to work. Well, As a bookkeeper. So he made her a less boring bookkeeper than she was? <laughs> that she is... made her a more boring... Lobotomies turn people into the most boring individuals on earth. Hmm. They have no personality at all. all right. No, they become kind of like automatons. Yeah, they're drones. And in fact, like the CIA very much considered lobotomies as a way to deal with political agitators because it takes away any and all care that you have for anything. You don't go to work unless someone tells you, hey, you should go to work. And then you go, oh, hey, oh good. that's a good <laughs> idea. I should go to work. Okay. After Emma, there was the construction worker who became a compulsive talker afterwards, the OCD sufferer who relapsed in six weeks and would only wear her bathrobe backwards. Oh, that's the- just called leaving the barn door open. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool. And the schizophrenic who died in a mental institution 13 years later as a trash hoarder. Oh. But as far as Freeman was concerned, Every single one of these was a win because, as he put it, no one died and no one got worse. That's It's all about lowering your expectations. Keep the bar <laughs> low and then you're always a winner. But as he performed more leukotomies, he felt the need to separate himself from Egas Monis. So he began to refer to the procedure as the lobotomy. You get it? It's all about branding mm-hmm. and yep. yeah it is it is interesting to hear that it's lobotomy yeah because the idea is like we say lobotomy quite a bit but it's you remember it's because we're shaving your brain titties yeah the lobes oh. yeah Lo- uh, an otomy is when you cut something like that's the the suffix for uh, a surgery in which you just kind of like cut something out uh-huh. ectomy is when you fucking remove something so yeah lobe otomy cutting got- the lobe you guys doctors <laughs> you guys doctors? yeah as a matter of fact i am you, you, you better check you for testicular cancer <laughs> come I here got- yeah i got it oh my god i feel a a lump you have testicular cancer, <laughs> sir. You need to go to a real... I'm going to confess, I'm not a doctor. I'm a, I'm a molester of adult men. 
<laughs> All right, I'm a bit of one of those, so you're gonna actually going to want to get these checked out for certain. And so Freeman and Watts continued with the goal of 20 lobotomies by the end of 1936. Some patients turned from anxiety-ridden messes to cheerful blobs. Some didn't change at all, and some died of hemorrhaging on the table. Yeah. One of the more memorable fuck-ups was Paul Hennessy. During his lobotomy, Freeman was drilling through the skull when the bone unexpectedly gave way, and the auger was accidentally plunged deep into Hennessy's brain. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, what a day at the office. Good Lord. But in a testament to the resilience of the human body, Hennessy was just fine, and he checked himself out of the hospital hours later. However, the procedure did not work, as the manically alcoholic Hennessy went straight from the hospital to the bar, oh. and Freeman and Watts had to drag him out themselves in order to save his life. You think you're fucking better than me? You think you're better than me? You put a wishing well on my brain this morning. Yeah, I'm having a couple of doers. <laughs> Maybe even some Hennessy. <laughs> At the end of 1936, Freeman and Watts decided to go big for the last lobotomy of the year. Instead of cutting out 12 cores, they removed 18 Whoa! from the brain of a 60-year-old woman with depression. It's a special double feature. <laughs> Within hours of waking up, though, she became paralyzed on her left side, lost the ability to speak, fell into a coma, and died six days later. Jesus Christ. And after that, Freeman and Watts decided that 12 at a time was enough. And if you wanted to do more, you got to wait. You can't do 18 at once. You got to do 12 now, 12 in about a year, and 12 about a year after that. Oh, See, okay. the problem is I got gritty, y'all. I'm a core-cutting motherfucker. That's all I do. <laughs> core-cutting's my name. Damn my game. That's what I do. <laughs> Concerning the mortality rate of those early lobotomies, six out of the first 23 were fatal. Out of the survivors, Jeez. four patients were employed, mm -hmm. four were competent housewives, Four had to be cared for by their families, mm -hmm. and two were institutionalized. This now, is ten years after. This is them checking in on them ten years later. All right, and so here we go. I did some math here, right? So eight out of eight, eight uh, out of twenty, right? Th that were fine. That's forty percent, right? <laughs> it's not good. It's not. I guess it's not bad. But I did some research, and Shaquille O'Neal, who is one of the worst free throw. Percentage. He was one of the worst three throw yeah, not basketball players in the history of the game. His percentage point was fifty two point seven percent. Wow! He made more free throws than Doctor Freeman did successful lobotomies. Well, but Shaq is also one of the greatest centers in the history of the game. Well, that's, so? well, I mean that that's actually a good point. That's the thing is that Freeman should have stayed in his own lane because he wasn't a surgeon. Yeah, but then it's so much more fun to drift around. <laughs> <laughs> now, even though those numbers aren't fantastic, Freeman saw nothing but blue skies ahead, and his confidence in his own abilities only grew. On one operation day, Watts, James Watts, who was the surgeon, he was sick, which meant that the surgery 
should have been postponed mm. because Walter Freeman was not a surgeon. But Freeman figured, shit can't be that hard. No, you scoop it out. <laughs> it's all good. I got <laughs> it. Scoopity scoop. Scoopity scoop. I'm a core card motherfucker. What the fuck? I'll fucking do the shit. <laughs> so he went ahead and began the surgery alone. Yeah. The only thing that kept him from finishing that day was another surgeon who looked in the window and saw a psychiatrist operating on a person's brain without supervision. Hey, hey, listen, all right? Do I come into your fucking office and take the dick out of your mouth and tell you what you do with your job right uh, listen it, you do you what do you do uh, yeah. competent surgery i'm, I'm a neuroscientist <laughs> yeah, Mr. yeah yes me? mr freeman yes i get results yeah well i don't think that you should really be in here this is for doctors medical doctors that know how to do okay. surgery sir. okay how about this we arm wrestle i win you give me back my ice pick <laughs> all right yeah that's how it's done <laughs> but even though most men in the medical field were skeptical if not outright hostile towards freeman the press was eating this shit up you just see him walking down the hospital halls getting hip checked by doctors and scrubs <laughs> <laughs> just everyone be like fuck you the new york times reported that lobotomy was a surgery of the soul but they were printing that in a positive way oh, oh come on now, they didn't report on the lobotomy operations Freeman had already performed, but they instead opted to focus on a lobotomy Freeman had given to a monkey. Huh. Thing was, though, Freeman neglected to mention that he'd killed the monkey. Well. <laughs> I'll kill a monkey. I'll kill a monkey. Look how calm this dead monkey is. Huh? Say it doesn't work. Say lobotomies don't work. You see him fretting? No, he's rotting. Yeah, not scared at all. But building off this good press... Freeman began giving rousing speeches about the efficacy of lobotomies at American Medical Association meetings, sometimes using a clacker ratchet like a fucking <laughs> carnival barker to keep their attention and make his points. He's really feeling himself at this time period because he starts to, they kind of viewed the human brain as like an engine to a car. They thought that they could just go in there fucking flippity flop around right. in there and they could fix, they could fix everything. And Walter Freeman really talk about like a god complex i think that he really started yeah. to see himself as like a perennial figure in medical history immediately and yeah. wanted to saw with it well paul trades talks about the the trials of being a quote-unquote great man he's talking about doing again I'm just saying. Uh, okay, please, but, Henry, please clarify when you start talking about dude, because nobody really knows. I knew. No, I know you knew. Marcus, you are not everybody. But he understands that, like, quote, unquote, great men have to see themselves within the pantheons of history and see themselves within How the history. How the fuck are we talking about dude? I am saying Walter Freeman tried to view the world that way and yeah. saw how he could position himself in a way to be a capital I important person in history. Yeah. yeah. All right. I can see the God complex. He's messing with the brain, taking souls away from people. He's pinhead. <laughs> and while there were plenty of failures with lobotomies, Freeman could sort of skate past those by focusing on the few success stories. <laughs> For example, one patient was paralyzed by a debilitating, irrational fear of shoes before huh. the lobotomy. Okay. Which, that's a fucking big deal. If you're afraid Huge. of shoes, you can't go outside. Yeah, if you're afraid of shoes, if you start your day saying, like, loafers are ghosts to you, <laughs> right. how, what is everything else going to be? How, how difficult is everything else? Well, I think you got to go to the beach. No shoes on the beach. <laughs> 
But after Freeman and Watts futzed around with her brain a little, she fully recovered and eventually obtained a PhD in mathematics, although she attributed her success to psychotherapy rather than psychosurgery. But it didn't kill her. <laughs> and that's, but that's exactly, the bar? That, that was, that's but, the bar! But that was, Freeman, that was Freeman's bar, and he could spin things in such a way where, you know, he didn't have to talk about those six people that died on the table. Oh, <gasps> like, didn't have to talk about <sighs> the per, didn't have to talk about the person who could only communicate with their feet after the fucking surgery. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in the 90s, they would just be on Leno. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't talk about all those people. He, but he had like out of like every once in a while, there would be like somewhat of a success story, and so he could put that forward. And the fucking news media focused on those, focused on the positive. This is when the news media wasn't just about negativity. This is when the news media wasn't trying to divide us. <laughs> yeah, it was they like, said yes to this. They said this is very good news. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They yes ended themselves into making lobotomies like totally normal and good for like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> now, the AMA still showed resistance because Freeman, again, not a surgeon, was essentially destroying the brain. But Freeman had an answer for that, saying it was better to damage the brain, quote unquote, a bit than to do nothing. Uh. Yeah, you do the, the Robert De Niro School of Medicine. Always know a little bit. <laughs> little bit. Gotta be a little bit. Little That's bit. it. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, in his defense, he's not filling it with firecrackers. You know, he's, he's doing something there. You go in there, you see Doctor De Niro. You know, and he's saying thing, being like, "Well, I see him. Uh, I got nipples. May he milk me. You know what I mean? A little bit." Man, you you are a great you are a great actor. <laughs> wow. But once that damage was done, the side effects were wildly unpredictable and changed from person to person. For example, one patient, an alcoholic, found that he could, after the, lobo after the lobotomy, drink half the whiskey and get twice as drunk. <laughs> and, and nobody so could figure out why. This surgery is paying for itself because <laughs> you would not believe well, how much I used to spend on booze. Now I'm drinking half as much and getting twice as drunk. I love Dr. Freeman. I love it. My wife has left me, and I have not seen my own erection in five years. But as far as consistent side effects went, the most interesting was that without fail, lobotomy patients completely stopped attending houses of worship post-surgery. Strange. It led some to argue that lobotomy erased spirituality from the soul. Wow. Fuck yeah, another win for his evilness for the <laughs> ultimate deceptor, you sweet Satan. You are a 12-year-old. <laughs> yes. yes. That, but honestly, that is really, that is very bizarre. It really is. I mean, it, that's what some, well, some people say that the frontal lobes are the connection to the collective unconsciousness, the collection, the connection to humanity, you huh. know, and, you know, houses of worship. That's a part of it, you know, none of us go to houses of worship, but it's definitely a part of uh, spirituality and part of human connection and without fail none of them ever went to church or any sort of house of worship or had any interest in spirituality ever again that's very bizarre very because you would think of people that just follow commands would love going to catholic church it is nothing but them telling you what to do for an hour they would love to it because it's kneel stand up kneel sing a song eat jesus's body drink the blood Get the fucking blood. <laughs> Confess your deepest, darkest, naughtiest yeah. sins to this child molester. Are, are you, Father, Father Patrick, are you, are you masturbating right now as I tell you about my sexual fantasies? Uh, yeah. Why do you think there is this screen? 
Get in your own fucking cubby, all right, please? Uh, <laughs> respect my privacy. <laughs> oh, I had to tell Father Steve that I masturbated when I was uh, in oh. high school. Wait, what What denomination? Catholic. I went to Catholic school. Oh, God. God that was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always I, like to hear those first. That's I think, what I always found in my experience. It did seem like he was very receptive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse than Catholics. <laughs> Ooh, not not Catholics, but the Catholic uh, Catholic Church is a bit uh, strange there. Really That's good, a- Kissel. Yeah, really good commentary. <laughs> it is a little strange. You like, yeah. well, sometimes, if a lobotomy didn't take, people would have to have more than one, which very rarely, if ever, worked out. One woman who went in for a second was never able to do more than help her daughter clean the house. And another who had a second set herself on fire immediately after. That's one of those, like, side effects that they put in a super, super tiny font at the very end of the commercial. Yeah. (laughs) You might set yourself on fire. You maybe. Maybe. Yeah, may may cause self-immolation, yes. Well, isn't that something? How'd she get all the fire and the gas? I guess she covered herself with gasoline or something? The book wasn't uh, super clear about how she set herself on fire. Just said she set herself on fire. Maybe trying to light a fart on fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's different. Yeah. That's fun. Well, again and again, when the patient didn't respond, Freeman always believed that it had been because they hadn't cut enough of the neural fibers away. (sighs) And as a result, Freeman had done 300 double or sometimes triple lobotomies by 1956. I love this idea that the brain is like an enemy that needs to be conquered. That you need to hurt the brain to make it behave. Yeah. I mean, it's not that big. What is the brain, six pounds or something? Somewhere on there. Why is he? It just seems like he's really going after the whole thing. Yeah. Sounds like someone has a surplus of brain. (laughs) No, I do not. I'd like to relieve you of that, thankfully, but I don't have, where's my goddamn ice pick? I don't have that. I just have this, I have a cheese grater. You know what? Actually, I've been thinking about it. I need to save some money on booze, so let's do it with the cheese grater. Well, that cheese grater actually ain't too far off from the gyrectomy, but we'll talk about that later. But because the results of the lobotomy were so inexact, Freeman and Watts continued to experiment. Sometimes they would do surgery with only local anesthesia, meaning the patient was conscious and interacting with their environment the entire time so Freeman could measure the level of disorientation while it was happening. In one case, a patient was going on and on about how they regretted not going to church the day before the surgery, all while Freeman was drilling a hole into her skull, making a sound that was compared to tooth drilling, but worse. Well, uh, let me just put it this way. Um, after this is done, um, you'll stop regretting going to church. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like he's trying to change the radio station. We're just like, nah, still talking about church. Nah, I want to do everything. When, just when think sh- about this. Another time, Freeman asked a patient what was going through her mind while Freeman was cutting away cores in her frontal lobe. Uh, Your spoon. (laughs) She actually said, a knife. Yes! Yes! Hey, hey, listen. I do the bits around here, here, okay? Don't you do bits at me? All right, I can make you a mouth-breathing rat person right now. I can do it in a second. All right, you want to be afraid of shoes? I'll put some of the other brains I scooped the other day. I'll put them in there, and I'll make you afraid of shoes. All right? Freeman's 83rd patient was actually able to hold a full conversation. This woman had become obsessed with her church minister and had come to believe he was trying to kill her with evil powers granted by the devil. Okay. 
So, as Freeman was operating, he rattled off numbers and asked for the patient to respond with their significance. 1066, she said, that was the year that William the Conqueror entered England. Oh. 606, she said, that's the number of the serum cure for syphilis. Jeez. It is? Yeah, 57. 57 varieties of Heinz. Oh. What? And so on and so forth. There was a whole bunch of them. Like, he was like 99.3. She was like, the purity of dial soap. How does she know all this yeah, shit? It seems like she's really smart. Maybe she doesn't need a lobotomy. Maybe she's just like a genius. And when Freeman ran out of numbers, he asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer in German, which she just kept doing until the end of the lobotomy. But that is scary. That is frightening. That is very frightening. Yeah, that is scary, especially... Well, this is post-World War II, I guess. Uh, this is r- right in the middle of it. This is smack dab in the middle. Well, maybe he was working for the government trying to find spies. <laughs> The creepiest one, though, was when Freeman asked a patient after cutting cores out of her lobes if her conscience hurt. Still on the table, she replied that she didn't know where her conscience was. It used to be down by her heart, but now she couldn't feel it at all. That's not good. You just made another poet. Yes, you did indeed. Guilty conscience, perhaps, gone away. Well, what it does, that's the interesting thing about it, is that lobotomies often removed the conscience of the person who got it but because they had no drive they didn't do anything about it it's not like they became serial killers or anything like that they just didn't do anything that's what they would say they would say is that they had they had very little regard for like social niceties or anything like that like it was something that families would have to get used to because they had all of that was gone any sort anything that has to do with the connection to humanity is fucking gone forever okay which is technically what they were searching for for a little bit was the idea people were upset with the physical actions that people were doing while in the thrust of wildly untreated mental illness. So they were doing all of these, they had physical side effects and public side effects, which is what they were just trying to eliminate, right? They were just trying to eliminate the act outs, the, the anything that would be uh, honestly just straight up embarrassing or socially inappropriate or, I mean, and then truthfully, a lot of it hurtful to their family and friends and stuff like that, that type of abusive behavior as well. But all it did was just cut out the behavior, yeah. kind of like like Dave Coulier with oh, his wise out. words to cut it out at all times. I mean, they're all acting like the chick from The Exorcist walking downstairs while they're having a party, taking a piss and walking back upstairs. <laughs> like, this is not, this does not alleviate social awkwardness. <laughs> Seems like it kind of advances it in some ways. Mm-hmm. But, but besides a complete loss of conscience, motivation, and spirituality, there were other side effects to this type of lobotomy that were almost universal. For many patients, a lobotomy worked as a surgically induced childhood. Essentially, patients would start off at square one when it came to maturity and would turn into gigantic toddlers to the point where their families were encouraged to give them teddy bears and dolls to soothe them. Dude, I want a lobotomy just so I can be a big baby, and then you guys have to take care of me. No, you could do it. You could just be like one of those like dirty nappy people, like they do in the UK, or it's like the, the yeah. dirty nappy stuff, where you're a big, kind of weird, pasty man who likes to poop inside of his own diapers, and then pay people to come clean it. Henry, I made poopy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm putting you up for adoption. <laughs> Well, the dangerous part of this is that you had full-grown men with full-grown sex drives, but the inhibitions and maturity 
of a toddler. <laughs> that is disgusting. Meaning that many would absentmindedly masturbate anywhere at any time with nothing more than a big placid smile on their face. That's the part that gets me. The it's smile. The, it's the goofy smile. <laughs> the, oh, <laughs> as he's pulling on it. I remember seeing that in the around Wall Street. I was on the phone. And I was walking through Wall Street. Were you doing? Were this, you were doing your Wall Street business? You were looking at the you know, stocks and buy, things like buy, sell, buy, sell. Yeah. But it was a banana held up to my face. But I saw this group of Southern tourists scream. They went ah, and I looked at what they were screaming at, and there was a man with his shirt above his tits and his pants completely down around his ankles, uh-huh. and he was just swaying back and forth, just peeing everywhere. Right. That's yeah. what I think of. That's the old New York City Christmas tree. Yeah, across the street from a Madison Square Garden, I once saw a guy masturbating and shitting at the same time. I love New York, baby! <laughs> it's called, uh, technically, that's a, a kind of like a biathlete. Yeah, it's really <laughs> impressive. Sometimes, though, the patients would get aggressive, and the nurses in charge were forced to train themselves in ways to hug, kiss, and tickle the overly amorous man toddlers. Oh because that's how they would calm them down, because it was just like, a gi- imagine a gigantic man with the inhibitions of a toddler right. thinking, I want to go kiss, kiss, the nurse, nurse. And so they had to tickle them to kind of put them off of it. And when that didn't work, they fucking spanked them. Oh, oh my goodness. So you had to get like a fucking, honestly, there is a market for mommy nurses still. But these mommy nurses, oh, boo, that's got to cross some weird wires. Oh, my goodness gracious. Treating him like Rush Limbaugh. That's what he used to do that. There, I was watching a documentary on him, and he used to make his producer spank him when he got out of line. And I was like, this is so disgusting. What? It's, it's like, it's on YouTube. It's oh. disgusting. He is disgusting. Anyway. Well, once the patients were sent home, though, if they were sent home, not everyone got to go home, they often overate in a way that went beyond compulsion. One patient polished off 4,000 calorie meals and would eat a pound of chocolate a day. Well, that's why Dr. Watts and I have decided to change the name of the procedure from the lobotomy to the Kathy procedure. Whoa, he's depressed and sad. He's got to have his chocolate. I could see this big fat man child on Maury Povich just be like, look what this toddler can eat. <laughs> well, eating all this shit would, of course, result in frequent uncontrollable vomiting. But oh. as soon as she made room for more food, she immediately started eating again. Just having fun with it. Just having fun with it. You know. But as weird and fucked up as all this is, Freeman was convinced that he had found a permanent cure for extreme mental illness. And by this point, Freeman was also the only game in town. See, one of Egas Monitz's leukotomy patients hadn't taken too kindly to the personality changes following the surgery. And after that patient tried to kill Egas, <laughs> he, he shot reti- him four goddamn times. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, after that, Egas, like, he's like, you know what, I'm going to retire. I'm going to get out of the game. That's the message he took from it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He got fucking shot. I think fucking 50 Cent got shot four times. Yeah, yeah. well, it yeah. was nine times. Yeah. So, to establish himself as the singular expert, Freeman wrote a book about psychosurgery that was more pulp than medical text. This is a quote from a teaser that was printed on the cover of the book. Read the last chapter to find out how those treasured frontal lobes, supposed to be man's most precious possession, can bring him to psychosis and suicide. 
This work reveals how personality can be cut to measure, sounding a note of hope for those who are afflicted with insanity. Whoa, and I love chapter nine, calories don't count on Sunday. (laughs) Oh, it's a rest day for a reason. Um, They decided because Freeman, that his true strength was, and I'll bring it up again, branding. He right knew now. in order to fucking bring this shit onto land, what in order to make this a thing, we need to fucking set the tone and write the textbook right now. Even though we've only done like fucking 50 of these, we need to write the textbook and get it set in so that we are the ones that are the captains of this whole bullshit. We, are, we run the lobotomy game. And if you want to come into my fucking... If you want to come out of my fucking system, you got to give up the VIG. It's a big lobotomy <laughs> through Dr. Freeman. Right. I understand. They got the, it's a lobotomy mob here. Mm-hmm. Disappointingly, though, despite rejection from the neuroscience community, the media took this supposed miracle cure and ran with it hard. That's not good. In reviewing the book, the Houston Post took everything at face value, writing, quote, Having your brain cut hurts less than having a corn removed from your little toe. Excuse me, what was that? <laughs> having a corn removed from your little toe. Your little toe. Uh, how many times have you had a corn removed from your little toe, sir? Nine times. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no toe no more, if you know what I mean. Were people actually in black and white then? Like, <laughs> did, did we just, like, when... In addition to that, there were former patients who were writing articles about how fantastic their lives were post-lobotomy. One wrote that he couldn't have been happier. And this guy actually did live 10 more years without anxiety. Now, of course, those symptoms returned, and he died almost immediately after his second lobotomy. But still, it's 10 years. 10 years is 10 years. Look at that. You got a solid 10 years. (laughs) I want more than 10 years. I want more than 10 years. (laughs) Well, I mean... Other people, however had not a single positive result. But those people weren't really getting covered in the press. One patient came out of his lobotomy with an unsettling, explosive laugh, like fucking Joaquin Phoenix in The Joker. (laughs) And that was still present 10 years after his operation. I tell you what, I went to the doctor today, and he told me, unfortunately, but the... uh my cancer has moved from my liver to my brain. (laughs) I, I am... I am devastated. <laughs> huh. All right, that guy went on to be Bozo the Clown. <laughs> Another patient developed what was referred to as a bulldog reflex, which caused her to uncontrollably clamp down on objects with her teeth, and she would refuse to let go. She didn't know why she did it. She didn't know when it was going to happen, but she just instinctively did it. She could have been on one of those world's strongest man competitions pulling a truck. <laughs> That's kind of cool. The most controversial patients, however, were the children. Uh. Now, we're going to cover one of these cases in depth, as well as the most famous botched lobotomy in history on our next Relaxed Fit episode. Okay. We want to give them the time they deserve without burying them into the story, but Howard Dully, and then um, I don't want to even say the other one, same two. I guess we can maybe say it. Well, now, I, you know what I would say is that the people who know lobotomy lore, you know who we're talking about here. And you know who you are. <laughs> So uh, come yo. forward. But I will say the Howard Dully story of all of them is incredibly sad. Yes. Yeah, they shouldn't be doing this to kids. That's no. what I say. In the case of Freeman's child lobotomies, they never worked. And in most cases, just made it worse. One child was made permanently incontinent, while another just straight up died. Huh. The youngest was four. 
Oh, come on. Leave the kids well, alone. They would say that the kids suffered from... They would, I guess, diagnose them with schizophrenia or some kind of antisocial disease. These kind of weird, like, 1930s versions of what they called, like, antisocial diseases. Well, they just call them psychotic. They just yeah. didn't want to live in a segregated school district. They're, <laughs> like these four, people, they're four years old. They're not anything yet. Yes. I mean, because no. doesn't bipolar and stuff that comes on later right oh yeah like, that doesn't come in until yeah. like late teens early 20s right didn't come on for me up until like 22 or 23 if it even came on at all <laughs> <laughs> but failures didn't seem to register with walter freeman and he began the process of expanding the availability of lobotomies by asking himself how he could perform the procedure without all the muss and fuss of having a boring old surgeon in the room because he's always there correcting you Fucking saying all this shit you're doing wrong to fucking telling you how fucking irresponsible you are. All this horse shit, man. I'm not trying to fucking learn all this surgery shit. That's why you went to school. I do this <laughs> one thing, man. Yeah. Sometimes you shouldn't look at the bright side. Sometimes you just got to realize that there's a real, it's a real dark thing going on here. Mm-hmm. See, as it was, lobotomies were expensive and required a whole support staff as well as all sorts of fancy equipment. Problem was, most mental hospitals weren't equipped for this, which got in the way of Freeman's dream of planting a lobotomist in every asylum. (laughs) Predictably, this dream was not shared by Freeman's partner, Surgeon James Watts. See, while Watts believed lobotomies should remain a last resort measure, Freeman was starting to think that lobotomies should be done early and often. Okay. I want you to be able to get a hamburger a milkshake, a mattress, a shotgun, and a lobotomy at the same place. That's a one-stop shop right there. Well, he thought he started thinking, like, if why are we waiting until this mental illness gets so bad before we give these people lobotomies? Why can't we give them lobotomies right at the beginning? So he's pre-criming this? <laughs> yes. He's like, once the, the smallest hint of mental illness shows up, give them a lobotomy. And then we'll save years. <laughs> this man needs a lobotomy. <laughs> Freeman's problem, however, was that if he wanted to perform lobotomies and teach other psychiatrists how to perform them in institutions, he needed to find a way to do it without opening the skull. Is there any government oversight going on here? He wants to teach other psychiatrists how psychiatrists, to do it? Psychiatrists. That's the whole point. But- the whole point is to take the surgeon out of it. And thus... The transorbital lobotomy was born. (sighs) See, by this point, Freeman had come to believe that the therapeutic effects of the lobotomy came not from cutting out the cores, but by cutting the connection from the frontal lobe to the thalamus, which Freeman believed was transmitting the bad information. Mm. In order to do this without opening the head, though, Freeman took a page from an Italian doctor who was doing remarkable work in accessing the brain through the eye sockets. But no one said it that he was just trying to figure out how to get spaghetti into the body faster without <laughs> yeah. chewing. Go through the eyes. Like, it's like taking acid. You're supposed to put it in your eyes. Hell yeah. Although don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do it. But they do say that works. <laughs> But don't, yeah, apparently, but don't do yeah, it. Don't I mean, do it. I, mean I hear it works and it's like the fucking like sweetest trip of your life. But don't, don't do it. Do don't it. you fucking no. do it. <laughs> but Freeman combined that knowledge going in through the eyes to get to the brain with a good old fashioned ice pit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is so gross. Up the first 
ice pick that was used on lobotomies across the country came from the refrigerator of Walter Freeman's home. This is true. Oh, God, this is so horrific. Well, using an actual ice pick that Freeman brought from his kitchen, he would insert the tool through the upper eyelid of the patient and slide the ice pick along the ridge of the nose until he reached the bone that separates our eyes from our frontal lobes. I hate eye stuff. I can't. I used to. I can deal with teeth stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eye stuff I can't deal with. Then he would pick up a regular carpenter's hammer. Just a fucking hammer. Not even a surgical mallet. Just a hammer. And give the ice pick a little tap. Oh, I hate it so much. Breaking through the orbital plate and leaving an opening to perform what he called the ticklish part. Oh, <laughs> God, he called it this. the ticklish part. And the, Why? It, this is, uh, it's hard to describe because he acted like it was an exact science. Yeah, he did. Uh, sometimes <laughs> Freeman would still use a leukotome to enter the brain and sever the connection. A little wire, the th- but when- I hate this. I honestly, I, I, this is really one of my very few points where I feel it in my body. I hate eye stuff. I hate it. But when the leukotomes kept breaking inside the skull, which required actual surgery to retrieve the broken bits of metal from underneath the patient's eye socket. Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it. Freeman adjusted. Now, he had a very fancy way of putting what he did into medical terms. But the basic action Freeman took to sever the nerve was to just wiggle the ice pick back and forth in the general area of the thalamus. Oh, sight unseen. It's making my teeth clench. He's really, he can't see shit. Yeah. Right. He's doing this from the outside of the brain. And he would be like, yes, we're making a lateral move. And he would like show this technique where you would put the ice pick between his fingers and just kind of do a little kick like it's a little rocket. And it's just, <laughs> it's just nice and it's fun and it's that easy. But he, he was just guessing yeah. where it was I going like and that. what it was doing. I just don't like this guy just guessing here. <laughs> then he would move over to the other eye and repeat the process for the other lobe. This streamlining of the procedure brought the total time it took to perform a lobotomy down from a little over an hour to seven minutes, earning Freeman the distinction of being the Henry Ford of psychosurgery. Uh, wow. The thing is, Fords technically work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, Fix yes. a repair daily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Well, part of this streamlining was Freeman's choice to forego traditional anesthesia and favor of electroshock therapy. Using so these people were not under anesthesia when he was jamming an ice pick in nope, their eyeballs. Not at all. Uh, so how do you deal with the screams? <laughs> he would literally just knock them the fuck out. Yep. Using his own machine that he would take wherever he went, Freeman would sharply shock the patient, knocking them out, and within an hour after the procedure... They would be sent on their way. I would rather go to Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> now, eventually, Freeman's machine started breaking down. And when the dials for setting the voltage and the timer broke, Freeman just started kind of eyeballing the voltage and guesstimating the amount of time needed to shock the patient into unconsciousness. He also coined the, ta- he also coined the phrase, let's take this to 11. <laughs> let's take it up to 11. He, this, he acted as if our brains were little carburetors. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, since Freeman was, again, not a surgeon. Not ever once a surgeon. 
It's like, I mean, because seriously, I could put a, I could put a fucking mask on. I could put my little hat on and the apron. Sure. I could buy scalpels off of eBay. Does it make me a surgeon? Not necessarily. If I'm cutting people, though, do I then become a surgeon because I'm doing it with the costume on and the scalpel in my hands? You're closer than this guy. <laughs> well, Freeman knew that no hospital would let him try the ice pick method in one of their operating rooms. Plus, he thought that the sterile standards of hospitals that prevented deadly infection were super annoying. Oh, my God. Ugh. So he actually called it that germ crap. He's like, oh, I, that germ that crap. germ crap. <laughs> uh-huh. In performing operations, he never wore a mask. He never washed his hands. Just refused it on principle. Because <laughs> he thought it was annoying. He's like, why am I wasting my time doing this? I got shit to do, brother. Right. Well, also, you ever seen the, the photos of him? With the shirtless, his favorite thing, he had his shirtless thing. He wore sleeveless tank. They wore like a muscle <laughs> tee that he would wear everywhere to show his spindly lobotomy arms. Because it's not a lot of workout. Like you're not getting a lot no. of CrossFit action just going ding 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 ding. So he had his like little pudgy little spaghetti arms and his bushy Freeman armpit hair everywhere. What was with the masculinity back then where it was just, like, manly to be covered in human shit? Like, just to be just like, I'm filthy. I'm a man. So, for the first ten transorbital lobotomies, Walter Freeman instead used his own office. Hey, man, nothing cleaner than what you know. Yeah, I guess so. Now, the first recipient of the transorbital lobotomy was a violent suicidal woman named Ellen Ionesco. Although she walked out of the office with two black swollen eyes, just as everyone did. Mm-hmm. But, and a free pair of sunglasses, though. He <laughs> oh, actually did true. give everyone a free pair of sunglasses. See, that's, that's pretty cool. And one of those hats that have the beer holders. <laughs> well, her violent and suicidal tendencies disappeared. In fact, it was said that she and Freeman had a years-long affair. At least until Ellen backslid and started showing her underwear to strangers. Ah. Ellen, Ellen, hey now. You stop showing those panties, all right? Those panties and these brain shavings are for me, Ellen. I will not share you. Because <laughs> lobotomies, it was always a short-term solution. They always backslid. Right. Yeah, it's almost like it didn't fucking work at all. Well, it worked for a year. <laughs> now, by the time of Operation Number 9, James Watts had finally had enough. And he couldn't really ignore what was going on because he shared the office where Freeman was performing all of his lobotomies. So he's just sitting there doing his taxes as he's just like... Ding, 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 ding. Oh, fuck. Oh, Chuck, mother spice. Oh, I accidentally put this up her butt. How'd I do this? I don't know, man. Now, Freeman tried alleviating Watts' concerns by bringing him in for lobotomy number 10. But Watts left in disgust when Freeman asked him to hold the ice pick while it was still in the patient's brain (laughs) so Freeman could take a picture. (laughs) Look at how cute this is. Look how cute this is. It's like it's a little cocktail wiener. How fun is this? (sighs) So after Watts left permanently... Freeman replaced him with neurosurgeon Jonathan Williams, who was all in on office lobotomies. Okay. Once he had the proper yes man, Freeman started shifting lobotomies from last chance cases to people who were simply a bit much. So he actually did get a neuroscience uh, dude with him, though, right? The only reason why the neuroscientist was there was... To one, to give it a little bit, uh, a little bit more clout, and sure. two, 
in case the leukotomy, uh, in case the leukotome broke off in someone's head, so the dude could open up the fucking skull and get it out. That was ah, it. Okay. Yeah, he was literally there to pop the top if it <laughs> needed to be. Damn. What was absolutely insane though is that the transorbital lobotomy, the ice pick method, actually had a higher survival rate and a higher success rate than the prefrontal lobotomy, drilling holes into the side of the head. Although success. It's a relative term. Right. Well, because not only would it be, it's a, it's a more of a well-hidden procedure because you're, you're just kind of, you're fucking with the inside bone, but it heals rather quickly and you're breaking all the blood vessels around the eyeballs, which created the, which became the trademark black eyes right. from using the lobotomy, like from getting a lobotomy. But if the transorbital, but the original lobotomy, the prefrontal, like a slight, if you watch video of it, they, they segment your head like a fucking orange peel. And, it, and I made the joke last week about looking like the saddest version of Hellboy. It's true. It creates these two bulbs on either side of your head that these like two little mounds that would become kind of forever synonymous with, oh, you were crazy back in the day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, as the transorbital lobotomy gained traction, actual surgeons started sounding very public warning bells. One doctor issued multiple public warnings, saying that Freeman might as well use a fucking shotgun because it was quicker. But Freeman wasn't phased, firing right back by saying that transorbital lobotomies were much less traumatizing than shotguns and almost as quick. Well, I thought he was going to just use a shotgun from now on. (laughs) (laughs) He then denied performing lobotomies in his office and implied that James Watts fully supported his methods. The outcry against Freeman from the neurosurgeon community got even louder when Freeman started saying that psychiatrists all over the country should be trained in lobotomies. But Freeman was too fucking cool to be taken down by a bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah, look at me. I'm so I I do lobotomies so fast the sleeves fell off my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> if you have an ice pick, you too can do your at-home lobotomy. I have an ice pick. <laughs> Let me use just my hand, though. I'm sick of using the hammer to punch it through. And I don't want to put it through the eyeball. I want to put it through the top of the hand. You can also do that, sir. Oh, wow, I'm a doctor. Freeman started performing lobotomies in front of audiences and even once did it live on television. And by the end of the 40s, Freeman had won. The propaganda campaign worked, and lobotomies were being performed everywhere from the Mayo Clinic to Columbia University. Look at that. You know, it almost seems like every new technology is used to promote dumb shit. (laughs) It does, right? The height of the lobotomy's acceptance came in 1949, when Igas Moniz won a Nobel Prize honoring his pioneering work in psychosurgery. After that worldwide stamp of approval, 23 thousand lobotomies were performed in america alone over the following four years that is way too many that is <laughs> way became, way too many it became cool. synonymous with an easy fix and yeah. a permanent fix to what was at the time untreatable rampant mental illness they couldn't figure out what to do with people that would end up like basically the state took over and yeah. they were because in the end the reason why they really adopted it is because it was saving the state money from having to house and feed all of these people that had basically become invalids over a period of time. Where now, like, right. they say, like, no, 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 we're, we're handling the situation very, very well. You just uh, go, tick, 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 and then they're back on the street. 
I think it's the kombucha of surgery where everyone has just said, yeah, it's good. It's great. <laughs> but we all know it's not good. It's actually it's sea horrible. monkeys. It's fucking sour sea monkeys and juice. <laughs> of course, since lobotomy came to be accepted, other doctors besides Freeman tried pioneering their own methods of psychosurgery. One particularly awful method simply sucked away parts of the brain. But Freeman criticized the process, not because it didn't work, but because it was, in his words, gross. It is. It really was. Saying the sound reminded him of running a vacuum cleaner over a tub of spaghetti. Oh, yes, dude. So, you have a, so Dr. Freeman, you have a memory of running a vacuum cleaner over a tub of spaghetti. Have you done that lately? Or Yeah, that was the original version of Columbus Day. That was what we used to do to celebrate. We used to get a smart vac. To get, we used to get a shop vac and get as many tubs of penne as we could and suck it all up. It was a good time. But then I found out about the crimes of Columbus. Yeah? No longer celebrating that. Well, but like I'll you... carve up your brain. I'll carve up your brain all fucking day. I don't give a shit. Sounds like you're living in Flavortown, my friend. <laughs> And although America was by far the number one country for lobotomies, the UK, New Zealand, Canada, Japan, and Brazil performed their fair share as well. Just about the only developed country who didn't give the lobotomy a whirl was Germany. Uh, I think that by then, Germany got pretty, uh, they were, uh, I mean, burn out. Can we just, they did not do something wrong. Uh, What, huh? I'm saying they made a lot the, of mistakes, the reason, so we have the, to say that they did not do this. They didn't. The reason why they couldn't do lobotomies was specifically because of the Nazis. I don't. Because in 1949, uh, I Germany. Know we were in the 40s. I thought we were talking about the 50s. <laughs> yes, dude, no, no. This is not the even the 60s. This yeah. is 1949. <laughs> like, right. Dr. Joseph See, Mengele was, wasn't even in South America yet. He was some. He was in like France. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were still pretty fresh off of the whole Mengele thing. All right. Uh, which you remember led to that. The, that yeah. that that little nudie tootie is <laughs> yes I know yeah and all of that had led to the creation of a whole new set of rules that Germany had to follow when it came to the medical field that was good they didn't do lobotomies though what was amazing though was that lobotomies <laughs> could not be performed in Germany solely because Freeman's untested unproven methods didn't meet the standards of the Nuremberg Code of Medical Ethics <laughs> is, oh this is getting weird <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But this didn't face Freeman, because Freeman was finally getting everything he ever wanted. In 1949, Freeman decided it was time to take his show on the road, and Ooh. he started touring America in a Lincoln Continental <laughs> that he called the Lobotomobile. Honestly, that's that's <laughs> the best part about the old Lobotomobile is that uh, you can take the top off. I'm so happy <laughs> I brought my whole family to this. Hey, you want to lobotomize my wife? All yeah, right. I'll lobotomize her, uh, and then I'll I'll get a load at the lobotom of her as well. Oh, this is a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying myself today. <laughs> lobotomobile is amazing. Great branding. Good job. Throughout the 50s, Freeman visited 55 hospitals in 23 states, demonstrating lobotomies and teaching the technique to psychiatrists wherever he went, like fucking Johnny Appleseed by way of Dr. Frankenstein. That is such a scary way of putting it, Marcus. God. It's really true. Because think about like, we talked about this in the very beginning of the first episode, was that he really was a mad scientist. And now yeah. we're, we're seeing this, where he is so desperate to make this his legacy and make this something... And He's so driven and obsessed with this as a fix-all, cure-all for any mental illness. Like, literally 
anything. Like, you need to quit smoking cigarettes? Yep. Lobotomy. Really? Yeah. Do you, are you hate your job? Yeah. Lobotomy. Ah. Anything. Mm-hmm. What Freeman was most proud of, however, was that while he entered these institutions amidst a din of filthy, noisy psychotics, he left the wards full of patients who are as quiet and docile as church mouses. <laughs> because they're deeply traumatized. <laughs> yeah, man, he used an ice pick to hit the mute button on their brains. Oh. Yeah. I mean, sure, their entire personalities were gone forever, but at least nobody had to deal with them anymore. And if Johnny Husband was having trouble with Josie Housewives' anxiety, why, Walter Freeman would swing by and take care of that, too. Damn. They call me evil Santa Claus. <laughs> I agree with that. And whenever Walter Freeman could, he performed these lobotomies in front of live audiences in order to show everyone that he was the savior of the mentally ill, whether it be a schizophrenic or a simple neurotic. But it's kind of interesting. It went back to the old days of the medicine show. Yeah. That it kind of was more of a throwback than anything, creating a pageantry, a theatricality to medicine and science, which is in a way, because it, it one way he's kind of saying it, he's kind of being like a Bill Nye. Right, where he's yeah. like, see, I'm making people be into science again because they see a cool guy like me. You see my armpit hairs. <laughs> see how quick, how quickly I make a bunch of people not be able to read anymore. This is incredible. <laughs> but sometimes it went horribly wrong. Yep. In front of the audience. Oh, okay. That's a hell of a show. In Berkeley, Freeman and his sons performed lobotomies on two women in front of 50 people. And while the first one went fine, Freeman caused hemorrhaging in the second paralyzing the patient but when the mistake was made freeman almost seemed to relish the opportunity to meet the challenge in front of a crowd acknowledging the problem by loudly saying quote uh-oh we've got trouble what's that <laughs> uh-oh we got trouble like yep. did your toddler just take a dump in church and you have to rush him out really quick he says uh-oh we've got trouble well he's got an ice pick hanging out of her head in front of a whole house full of people staring at him this yeah. is the greatest performance of Don Giovanni I've ever seen. <laughs> but. <laughs> it's a dirty work I'm, I'm always going to laugh at a dirty work yeah, yeah, Always. Yeah. But Freeman also had to make sure he got paid. Instead of immediately fixing his mistake, he walked over to the patient's husband and told him it would be an extra $1,000 if the husband wanted Freeman to alleviate the bleeding and save his wife from a life of paralysis. Yeah, he pulled a Dr. Venkman from Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, that's a good hustle he's got going on. And after the husband said yes, Freeman removed an instrument from his bag that looked like a bicycle pump and popped a metal tube into the woman's eye socket ah. so he could pump saline solution into her brain no. to flush it out. How is this making it better? <laughs> this is the shit that really fucks me up because it really he literally just went like, okay. God. And he's just sucking this machine in and out of her head. <laughs> and after pumping for this. a bit, Freeman extracted a thick ball of hemorrhagic blood <gasps> and did it again and again, just going... Oh, God. Until the patient did finally recover. Okay, well, I'm happy it worked. I'm actually... I wish it didn't work so we didn't get this positive validation. <laughs> And Freeman did a big fucking smile on his face the whole time. And everyone was able to see the smile because he didn't wear a fucking mask during surgeries. Oh, Just unfucking believable. <laughs> 
Freeman actually got so proficient with lobotomies that he turned it into a stage trick, cutting the neural fibers on both sides of a patient's brain at the same time, smiling <laughs> at the audience while he moved his hands back and forth in unison. He's doing some Harlem Globetrotter stuff? <laughs> yeah. This overconfidence predictably ended in disaster, mm. although Freeman mm. never, ever faced consequence. In Iowa, a patient died when Freeman stopped in the middle of the procedure to take a picture, and the instrument <sighs> left in the patient's skull sank into his brain. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> oh killing my him Lord. instantly. What in the slip? Just a slip, Ooh. and you're dead. Oh, all right. But Freeman was quite proud of making lobotomies available to everyone. While many people would be charged 2500 bucks for a private office lobotomy, Freeman, when he went to West Virginia, charged the poor population there 20 bucks a procedure. I, that's I. I guess that's nice. No, I guess no. no it's no, not nice. It's, it's not because it's not like Freeman had any value for human life in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All Freeman craved was recognition and the opportunity to make a name for himself in the medical field. He at first, in the very beginning, his impulse was this idea of like we can clear out these mental institutions, like we can clear out the asylums, we can figure out how to do it, and then at some point. Whatever original and good intent he had just faded into him fucking being up his own asshole. Mm. Well, it turned into straight sociopathy. I see. For example, in Alabama, Freeman was contacted by the Tuskegee Veterans Hospital, which is infamous for collaborating with the federal government to leave specifically black patients with syphilis untreated until death just to see what would happen, all while pretending to treat them. It is one of the most brutal chapters in American history, what happened at that hospital. And Uh, that that makes it pretty freaking brutal. It lasted from 1932 until 1972. Oh, my. That's just that's horrible. And in the middle of this, quote unquote, study, Freeman was asked to perform lobotomies on 50 of those men again, just to see what would happen. Freeman not only said yes but told them that he would do it free of charge. Seems like it's it's state-sanctioned murder. This is federally sanctioned murder. Damn. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. They, they viewed them as sacrificial lambs. Sheesh. Thankfully, though, at least one person at the Institute decided that this was a bridge too far, and Freeman's visit was canceled, just as the lobotomy was starting to fall out of favor with the general public. But it did not fall out of favor because of Freeman's rotten ethics or because he would often fuck up procedures in front of dozens of people or even because the public started listening to trained medical professionals about the dangers of the lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Instead, Walter Freeman was felled by the steady march of science. <gasps> science! Science! In 1954, the FDA approved the use of Thorazine for the treatment of psychiatric illness, which worked as a kind of chemical lobotomy. Yeah, it makes you go sleepy time. In yeah. Fa- yeah. In fact, it actually worked much better because it eliminated hallucinations and calmed schizophrenics with nothing more than a pill, giving the same peace and quiet to mental wards that was previously only possible with a lobotomy. And best of all, if Thorazine didn't work, you could just stop taking Thorazine. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I always say anything is better than jamming an ice pick in someone's eyeball. <laughs> anything. Almost anything, anything is almost better. Almost anything. 
Now, at first, Walter Freeman was supportive of Thorazine, but when he started seeing that lobotomies were on a steady decline, he changed his opinion to say that medication was nothing more than a temporary stopgap. Yeah, he wished. Yeah. And of course, after Thorazine came lithium, reserpine, risperdal, amitriptyline, and diazepam. Which of these have I taken? I'll never tell. Um, it's at least two of them. Is the net in the closet? Yeah, the net is in the net. Yeah, the net's the net's here. No, it's almost one thing. I'm gonna say, Kissel. If you're gonna want to go ahead and put like kind of a door on the front of that net cupboard. Right, instead of just smashing the glass because I don't want you to cut your feet. Yeah, yeah, Afterwards, yeah, yeah, you forget. yeah, yeah. No, I'm begging yeah. for the net. It is almost like we're uh, <laughs> it's almost like we're held hostage by Marcus's uh, mental just, issues. Just, just have the net near. Okay, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all held hostage by each other's mental issues. He wants yeah, the net. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, wants yeah. The, he wants the net too much now. <laughs> yeah, the pure we're... chemistry of last podcast and left is held by our mutually assured destruction. <laughs> It's not good unless we're all holding a gun to each other's heads. I yes, love like, I love the ending of the thing. <laughs> well, as far as what happened to Freeman, he was offered a leave of absence in lieu of tenure at George Washington University. Oh, where- what is he, a cop? <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah. give you a paid vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Freeman had been employed there for 25 years. God. After that... Freeman set up a private practice to continue performing lobotomies in Los Altos, California. Because to this day, lobotomies are still legal. All over the country? You can give a lobotomy. Yeah, a a psychiatrist can still give a lobotomy if they have permission. Wow. there is still some call for it, but I don't know what that is. And I don't know why you would need one. But I imagine it's extreme circumstances that you would get something. And I imagine it's very different now. Yeah. Because now you have, like, magnetic view. Like, you could do the thing where you you could see inside the brain and see what you're doing, at least. Yeah, I would assume ice picks are no longer used and a, <laughs> and a, and a hammer. I would hope, anyway. I don't know. But after falling into a brief disgrace, after trying again to perform lobotomies on psychotic children... Walter Freeman performed his last transorbital lobotomy in 1967, giving one of his old patients a third lobotomy, which killed her three days later. And that, of course, was Mama Cass. Oh, I love Mama. Love Mama Cass. <laughs> why, you bring, why you bring her into this? I don't know. If you want to learn more about Mama Cass, go by our special. Yes! Last Podcast, podcast Live. Live. Out there. It's almost like you're seeing us live, but you're not because we're alone together. Because you know <laughs> Don't how you we're fucking alone start. together. I it's like, no, I'm alone alone. A single other word. Say, I don't want to hear the word difficult times. I don't want to do creative challenging times. I don't want to hear any of that shit anymore. <laughs> well, five years after his last lobotomy, Walter Freeman died of what I hope was a very painful case of colon cancer. Yeah. Still convinced that transorbital lobotomy was the best treatment for mental illness and unaware that he would one day be considered one of the cruelest quacks of the 20th century. Seriously. Wow. Holy and that's shit. that fucking history. That is the short history of the lobotomy. If you really Good want, if you want Lord. the full story, uh, read The Lobotomist by Jack L. High. That it's is a hell of a story. Thank you so much for doing all of that disgusting research. Thanks, thanks to the researchers as well. Of course. Thanks to our um, research assistants. That was... What a, I cannot, I know we've covered everything under the sun that's horrific, but man, going into detail about the eye and just hearing the noise and you can just feel it. You can feel what that would be like. Can you imagine hearing the, 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 
Like yeah. oh, inside your brain. E- 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 Damn, this man really should have been prosecuted. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, I guess that didn't quite happen. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our series on lobotomies. And again, uh, as uh, Henry and Marcus said, uh, we have a relax fit next week, and we'll give you some more details. No, not let next week. We've got a regular episode next week. Oh no, next week we've got. I'm very, very excited. Very, very excited about getting back to a favorite topic of mine. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's time. Yeah, we're doing a full get... episode on fudge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I am in roast mode. No, no, don't cry. Henry, I'm sorry. You, you look great. I'm actually true. the fat one. I need it's to lose weight. True. I need to get better. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And uh, yes, again, we, we have our live show, so you can get that on uh, lastpodcastlive.com. We have some new merch on lastpodcastmerch.com. Uh, we have the book. If yeah. you want to get the book, uh, yep. please. Thank you all so much for for sharing uh, those pictures on Instagram of you reading the book. It's amazing. I didn't know if so many people read. I wanted to call it the fronts and butts of serial killers and just make it a picture book. But you That's know what? That's book number two. That's book number two, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> um, so, yes, thank you all so much for supporting all the shows here on Last Podcast Network. No dogs. You want to learn about music? Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus is there to teach you that. We got Top Hat for the up-to-date political stuff. We got Kind of Fun for Wrestling. We have our Patreon series, um, Whizbrew. You know all the shows, and so you check know them out. all the fucking shows. We just want to say, uh, and again, because the, the getting a titties of the brain email. I just love our fucking listeners so yeah. goddamn much. They are a <laughs> funny, funny group of people, and we want to say thank you so much for supporting us all over the years while we're here, fucking yucking it up in Apocalypse Radio. Absolutely, we keep doing it again and again and again. Absolutely. And of course, you can always email us, sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. Uh, we will read those on Side Stories. Okay, everyone. Hope you're doing okay out there and having a, a nice, a, 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 as much of a nice time as you can. Never forget, hail yourselves. You say, Hail Satan. Oh, my God. <laughs> hail Satan. Hail, Gein. Magustalations. Did you just get lobotomized? I did just get we lobotomized. We have been doing the same sign-off for eight years. Eight years. Yeah. I just, I forgot. I don't, I feel like we do. I, this, um, it's like this episode ended at the perfect time. Because I think oh your God. brain was just like, shut Back down. Back to sleep. Um, and instead of hailing me today, how about we hail each other? All right, let's do this. That's what let's hail yourselves this. is for. No, hell oh, yeah, yourself, wow. that, is a, that would be, I'm That's just hailing me. Just me. <sighs> I'm hailing me as me, yeah. as Henry. I need you. I still would like that. But hey. This sign-off is derailed. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is bad. Look, I mean, yes, <laughs> this is bad it is radio. a bit of a semantic conversation, but uh, I think it's important. It's important. <laughs> what is important? <laughs> what are we talking about? I need a lobotomy. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.